0: The Voices of Easter is the theme Tim is running through our service, readings from today right through until the end of the Lent course that he and Sarah Sanderson are running. The passage read from the Gospel of Luke this morning is about Peter disowning Jesus. Peter, the trusted friend of Jesus, proves faithless. In a stark betrayal, when asked if he knows this man, Peter denies it. Not once, but three times. Peter was a Jewish fisherman, along with his brother Andrew. They were probably not well off because they did not own a boat. Whenever we come across them in the New Testament, they are tending to their nets only. Peter was originally known as Simon or Simeon, but we know from the Gospels that Jesus gave him the name Peter the Greek translation of Cephas, an Aramaic word meaning stone or rock, which in Greek is Petros or Petra. A rough and tumble man, led by his emotions, we gather, and sometimes chided by Jesus for his impulsiveness. He was prominent among the disciples, belonging to a small inner group where he often acted as their spokesperson. So what is going on here? Why would Peter deny his friend? Well, there is no doubt cowardice and fear had a share in Peter's denials. But there was more than that in this betrayal. Peter was worn out with fatigue, excitement and sorrow. His emotions would have been strongly affected and all over the place by the trying scenes he had witnessed that last day. Curiosity, not malice, probably motivated the servant girl when she said Peter was one of them, meaning Jesus' followers. And there is no reason to think any harm would have come to Peter if he had said, as he should have done, yes, I am his disciple, for at this time it was only Jesus they were aiming at. He was isolated from the other disciples in strange surroundings, and hid his colors, not so much for fear of bodily harm, maybe, as ridicule. And maybe there was also a deeper depth to his denials, the beginning of a doubt whether, after all, Jesus was what he had thought. Jesus, of course, had prayed earlier that Peter's faith should not fail, knowing full well that this attack on it would be made. As we know, people are persecuted for their faith in parts of the world today. Dear Christian, is life-threatening for many. In fact, we do wonder what will go on in the Ukraine when the war ends, if the Russians remain in control. For, of course, the Ukraine is 70% Christian. On a day-to-day basis, can we say we have never hidden our true colours? and are easily able to admit to being a Christian. It's not easy, is it, when we are challenged individually in an atmosphere of unbelief or afraid of being laughed at. One of course thinks of our children, particularly our teenage children, and how they might fare at school when someone challenges them for being a Christian. After the first denial came the second, and then the third denial. One wrong made bigger. This is really a very sad story of Peter's fall. We need to remember here that Jesus chose Peter not only as a disciple, but as chief of the disciples, the rock upon which he would build his church. We also remember that at the arrest of Jesus, although Peter is exhausted, he doesn't hesitate to confront an armed mob. We might fault him for following the mob at a distance, but at least he was following, though completely outnumbered and outgunned, so to speak. So what led to this crumbling of the rock, this denial, when a case could be made for Peter's determination and braveness earlier. It was pride. Peter is not very humble, or he wasn't. Proverbs 16 verse 18 tells us that pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, meaning overconfidence causes failure. Peter was too self-confident. He was relying on his own determination to see him through any trials he would face when earlier he had declared his unswerving loyalty. A proud man never leans on others, and so Peter ignored Jesus' urging to pray. The servant described in Isaiah this morning is obedient to the instruction of God. He is not rebellious even when his obedience to God results in his suffering. We understand that the servant of the Lord, the Messiah, will be persecuted, yet vindicated. He has confidence that God will help him, and he will be found innocent, and resolves to set his task to completion. No difficult how the road becomes. It says in Isaiah, the reading from this morning, verse 7, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. The Lord is his ally, and he challenges any of his enemies to confront him. The humiliation Christ will face at the hands of Pilate and Herod will bring shame and death. But he is confident God will not abandon him forever. He is humbled without pride, knowing he cannot do what he must do without the help of his Father in heaven. Luke tells us that while Jesus prayed in anguish on the Mount of Olives, the disciples slept. Then there is the question, isn't there, about Peter's forgiveness? Why was Peter restored and Judas not? Firstly, Jesus prayed for Peter. Secondly, because Jesus prayed for Peter, Peter repented. When the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked at him. It must have been a knowing look, and Peter was crushed because of what he had done. He suffered godly sorrow Godly sorrow, or godly grief, enables a true repentance, the repentance that leads to salvation with the grief removed. Peter's bitter tears result in repentance, whereas Judas's grief was worldly and led him to despair. Peter's was genuine and moved him to change. God was sovereign over both Judas's betrayal and Peter's denials. And Peter was permanently humbled because God had allowed him to stumble. From now on, Peter's confidence would not be in himself, but in Christ's power to use him in spite of his weakness. Like Paul, he understood that Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. Now Peter could and would be the rock. He was now in the place where Jesus wanted him. God let Peter fall so he would grasp his need for his Lord. For once he had both seen and accepted his weakness and tasted the wonder of God's mercy, Peter would never deny his Lord again. We learn from Peter that we can't save God, serve God in our own strength. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. When we stumble or find ourselves at our lowest point, it is vital to remember how Jesus looks at each one of us. He looks at us with love. He brought forgiveness to the disciples after the resurrection, not retribution. He does the same for us. And when our sorrow is godly, as Peter's was, it can lead to change, just as his did. Last night, I looked up the other words we might use instead of change. There are many. To alter, to transform, to convert, to shift, to replace, to exchange, to swap. God wants to do all this for each one of us. I found the word swap very encouraging because it means with God our despair can be swapped for something else for there is a spiritual initiative against our despair. Not all initiative is inspired. When another person tells us to buck up or to get a grip, to move on to something new or that we must tells us that we must stop what we are doing, This is a human initiative. When the Spirit of God tells us, in effect, to buck up, it is completely different. Wake up, it says in Ephesians 5. Wake up and Christ will shine on you. You see, we have to do the bucking up, the waking up, just as Peter did to his weaknesses. As we do to our problems, our stumbling blocks... We need to let the light in. Say that again. As we do to our problems, our stumbling blocks, we have to let the light in. But God does not give us overcoming life. He gives us life as we overcome. For example, Jesus asked the man with the withered hand to stretch it out. As soon as he did, the man's hand was healed, but he had to take the initiative. It was then that his life changed forever. This event is, of course, more than about healing. The man had to overcome the hurt from people's reactions to his withered hand, the names they probably called him. He stretched out his hand, and we can imagine that it was a tentative stretching out. Just as our stretching out to Jesus for any reason, whether it's the hurt we've experienced, the pain we've called others, or when we know that something is wrong, it is tentative. But the Lord is not tentative in his response. It is firm and healing. I would just like to end by going back to Peter and suggesting that you read John 21, verses 1 to 17. These disciples are fishing when Jesus appears to them for the third time after his resurrection. In a very moving scene, Jesus forgives and reinstates Peter. Significantly, he asks Peter three times if he loves him. It must have been a painful reminder for Peter because he had denied Jesus three times but he knows he is forgiven. Just as we know, we are forgiven. Amen.